Good morning. How's it going? Good. Well, if you're watching the online, last week we had someone that had a comment, so you're probably watching today, the same person last week. Uh, and they said, who's the new person you have singing on the worship team? I said, I don't know nobody. They said, well, they, <clears throat> they were wearing a vest and they didn't have a shirt on. I said, I'm pretty sure there was not anybody on the platform that didn't have a shirt on. So this week we made sure that Landon kept his shirt on. Uh, you know, he just has those crazy times every now and then. He gets really, uh, gets a little crazy. So everybody's got their clothes on. It's always a positive. <laughs> We're going to have baptism today after second service, and uh, so you won't stay, but I'm just letting you know. Okay. Uh, Jesus said, Mission 10-8, we've been talking about this Mission 10-8, and uh, uh, I just want to say this, you know, for a couple of weeks, so make sure you understand what we're talking about, because uh, I had somebody ask me last week, what's this Mission 10-8? So I realized that, you know, even though you can say it five, six, seven, eight, nine times, it doesn't, takes a while for us all to catch it. Jesus said, uh, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, Freely you've received, freely give. So our goal this year for our church this year is to give away more money to missions than we ever have. If we give more, then we can tell more people about Jesus. And if we give more, we can demonstrate uh, that love, the love of Jesus to others. So, so we've been talking the last couple of weeks about you know, how God's blessed us and the great things he's given us and we need to give what we've got. You know, we've been blessed, we got grace, we got mercy, we got forgiveness. Uh, so how do we give what we've got? Today I want to talk about forgiveness, to give what you've got, forgiveness. Uh, how do we give away? Because we've received a lot of forgiveness. Anybody here been for, forgiven of a lot? So how do we give away what we've received? This is, you know, this is an incredible gift to have your sins forgiven. It's, in, it's precious. Colossians 2, verse 13. Paul says to the Colossians, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out all the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Yeah. <laughs> When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. So what happened to those sins? What happened to those things that were against us? The, all the lists, all the, all the things that you didn't do, that, that uh, the certificate of debt containing the decrees against us. Uh, this is interesting. What a certificate of debt was when someone owed money, they were in trouble, uh, they would put them in debtor's prison. And so they would, on, on the door of their house, they would put a list of all the things they owed. And so you were going to stay in that debtor's prison until all everything on the list was paid. And so... They would put that, the reason they would put that on the door because if there were people who loved you, they could come and pay your debts. And so as people 
people who loved you and cared about you would work to get you out of debtor's prison, then they would mark those things off the list. All those things were marked off the list. What happened? You were set free. See, so you and I had a big list. Huge list of all the things, every sin. You think, so, the, so the, the certificate of decrees. Has anybody here broken any of the law of God? Anybody here ever lied or stolen or not honored your parents or not put God first? You know, the very first one is, is have no other gods before me. But yet we have a lot of functional gods that we, we don't call them gods, but they operate as gods in our life because we don't feel like we can live without them. We give them first place. All of these things, all of these things that are against us. And Christ came, and the Bible says he nailed it to the cross. He nailed it. And here's what's interesting. When, when Jesus was nailed to the cross, all of our sins were nailed to the cross with him. Because he was carrying in his body our sins on the cross, 1 Peter 2.24. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, we, you were healed. He heals us by that. You see, what, what's so significant about the death of Jesus? Well, you know, we're, as we approach the Easter season, we're just now uh, seven weeks away from Easter. And as we approach the Easter season, is that right, seven weeks? About seven weeks. Uh, we celebrate what the death that Jesus died is totally different than any death that anyone ever died. I mean, there were a lot of people that died on crosses. Jesus was not unique in that he was tortured by the Romans and, and died on a cross. That was, that was not unique. What was unique was what Jesus did spiritually when he died on the cross. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he died carrying and bearing in his body. Can you imagine the weight of this? Can you imagine Jesus being perfectly holy, bearing the weight of every pedophile and murderer and adulterer and every deviant, every sin that's ever been sinned, and every sin that ever will be sinned, he bore in his body on the cross. And then he, when he died, he tasted death for every man. So he didn't just die his death, he died every man's death. And then he overcame it with his resurrection. So this has enabled our sins to be nailed to the cross. Which You know what this means? Here's what's good news about this. It means there's nothing hanging over your head. There's no debt unpaid. There's no old Facebook photo that God has that he will one day use against you. Right? No. You're free. In Christ, you're free from the shame and failure of your past. The debt has been paid in full. Yeah, that's pretty good. I've heard that before. <laughs> I don't know who said it, but it was good. There's nothing that God's going to use against you. It's been nailed to the cross and washed in the blood. It's done. In Luke chapter 7, verse 36, Jesus was at the home of a Pharisee, was requesting to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. 
Now, what this, the, this means she was an immoral woman. It says she wasn't just a sinner. She was an immoral woman. This woman was a prostitute. And I'm wondering if, I'm, I'm just curious, I'm just wondering if it's the woman that was caught in adultery. And then you pack on that a little bit. If you put these stories together, th- there's, there's four different accounts of, of Jesus' feet being washed with tears. And one of those accounts is Mary, the, the sister of Lazarus. And it's, it's, and it's, in, it's in Bethany. It's all in the same town. It involves the same kind of perfume. And, and I've always thought about this was with, with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, that, that I think Mary, somehow of the circumstances of life, Mary got off track and Mary ended up being a prostitute. And she had a good family. She's got Lazarus and Martha. She's got a good family, but, but Mary's life has gotten off track. And somewhere in that, some of that, maybe she's the woman caught in adultery. And Jesus forgives her, and her, the trajectory of her life is totally changed because now she's all in for Jesus. And I think that's, maybe that's why, that you, you know, there's always this tension between Mary and Martha. You know, Martha who stayed at home and never messed up, and Mary who was the rebel child and now is, you know, enjoying the forgiveness of God. And Martha's a little jealous of how close Mary is with Jesus, and Mary's just, you know, she's just at the feet of Jesus. There was a woman in the city who was a sinner. That's all, you know, just my opinion. Go study it yourself. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, wiping, weeping, not wiping, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and began wiping them with the hair on her head and kissing his feet. And anointing them with perfume. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who this, what sort of a person this woman is who is touching him. She's a sinner. And Jesus answered and said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, Say it, teacher. A moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii, another 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, you see this woman, I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason... I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who has forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Those who were climbing the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. See, this is why, this is why Paul could refer to himself as the chief of sinners. He, he didn't have to cover his past with shame and guilt because his past had already been covered in the blood of Jesus. He had done horrible things against the cause of Christ and against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he says, 
It's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. So it's just so great. We've just had this incredible forgiveness poured out on us. So we talked last week about grace. So through grace, God has washed us clean by the blood of Jesus. Through the cross, he has, he has forgiven our sins. He's just removed them. They're as far as the east is from the west. It's just God's been so gracious. So, see, so then once we've been forgiven... We receive the power of forgiveness. That power enables us to forgive other people. We've been forgiven. It empowers us to forgive. You think about it. Based on the forgiveness we've received, how can we forgive because we've been forgiven? That's, that's the basis of all our forgiveness. We forgive because we've been forgiven. One day, Peter said to the Lord, Matthew 18, 21, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? I mean, that's a good question. You think about it. I mean, that's a very good practical question. Because all of us, all of us need forgiveness. Every relationship exists with the constant need for forgiveness. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, I forgot to stop at the store. I went to the store, but I forgot to get the things on the list that you told me to get. But I got these things, but I didn't get the milk, or I didn't get the bread. I forgot. I'm sorry. Or I, I, I meant to go to the cleaners, and the, the dirty clothes are in the back, but I forgot to take them. Or I shouldn't have done that. Are there any of those? Do you ever have to say that? I shouldn't have done that. How about this? I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have brought that up. And just think about it. There's relationships are filled with a thousand offenses, a thousand little cuts, a thousand little wounds, a thousand things that we have to forgive each other daily. We, 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 uh, we have to always be about the business of forgiveness. Healthy relationships cannot exist without the cleansing power of forgiveness. They would be crushed under the weight of unforgiveness, bitterness, and hate. And when you decide you don't love someone... You know what you do? You start keeping an account of offenses. When you decide you want to justify some bad behavior that you're doing, let's say, let's say you're having an affair, you know what you start doing? You start looking around and saying, yeah, but he puts his socks on the ground and he doesn't pick them up. And he likes to watch too much sports. It doesn't matter who you are. In other words, you, instead of forgiving, we start piling them on. Oh, I don't need to forgive them because now I've been hurt and I've been, un, I, I need to relish this unforgiveness. So, then Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. It's like saying, who's counting? You know. 
For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began to sell them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and his children, all that he had, and, and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him and said, Have patience with me, and I'll repay all. And the Lord of the slave felt compassion and released him and forgave his debt. But the slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and he seized him and began to choke him, saying, <laughs> I love this. This is a great, this is a great story. This, he, he grabbed him. He's choking him. He's saying, pay me back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me, and I'll repay all. But he was unwilling and went and threw him into prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came out and reported to the Lord all that had happened. And then some of them, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have mercy on your fellow slave in the same way I had mercy on you? And his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the tortures until he should repay all that was owed him. My Heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Unforgiveness is just turning yourself over to the torturers. Colossians 3.12 So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against one another, just as the Lord forgave you, also you sh also should you, also should you. So it's just really clear. The Lord said, "You know, you've been forgiven. You need to forgive." The basis of your forgiveness is that you have been forgiven. The reason we forgive is not because they deserve it. How did the Lord forgive you? Well, totally and completely, and without a whole lot of qualifiers. You know, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Believe the gospel. Confess the gospel. So you came to the Lord and said, Jesus, I'm, I need you as a Savior. And he forgave you your sins. Matthew 6, 14, if, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Now, this is a tough passage of Scripture. <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, it says that this is at the end of the Lord's Prayer. And so at the end of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus kind of tacks his own. And oh, by the way, if you forgive each other, then the Lord's going to forgive you. But if you don't, good luck. <laughs> right? What's this? I mean, does this mean that your salvation is precarious, that it's hanging on the thread of your ability to forgive? Does it mean if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven? I don't know. It's kind of scary, isn't it? You know what it's saying? I think God takes this forgiveness stuff seriously. He went to the ends of the earth. He did everything he could to give you forgiveness. The debt that you owed was unpayable. He said, what right do you have to hold some little debt, some little thing that you perceive as 
as daunting. What right do you have when you have been forgiven such a debt? And so you have been forgiven. You've got to forgive. It's a characteristic of God's people. It's a characteristic of kingdom people. And it's required. (laughs) I'm telling you, life is a thousand cuts. It's a thousand offenses. Church life is a thousand offenses. Married life is a thousand offenses. If you're not offended, if you don't want to be offended, do not have children. (laughs) You were perfectly happy as a couple, and then you decided we'd off on them. It, It doesn't take very long. About three, they start going, I don't like you. You're like, well, I don't like you either, but we're kind of stuck together for a while. <laughs> I hate you because you won't give me what I want right now in this moment. So life requires our ability to recognize we've been forgiven. We've been forgiven this unbelievable debt. It's incredible what we've been forgiven. We're the chief of sinners. It's just so important that you recognize what you've been forgiven. Because if you recognize what you've been forgiven, you'll love much. Everyone has been forgiven just as much as the woman who was a prostitute. You think, well, she had a lot to be forgiven of. She was a prostitute. Well, you're a rebel that you have been fighting on the devil's side. You're a terrorist for Satan when Jesus saved you. And if we don't recognize who who forgives much, loves much, it's great. So if you need, anybody here need forgiveness? I mean, you're going to need it again, you think? (laughs) Then you better give it. What Jesus is saying here is that if, if you think you're going to need it, then you better be sure you're giving it. And, you know, and I could do a whole sermon about forgiveness and how we forgive and, you know, and all of that. And we struggle with that. And what about, you know, this person who's, you know, there's a difference between forgiveness and trust. Forgiveness is based on what Jesus has done for us. Trust has to be earned. So if you do something that in your relationship empties out the bucket of trust, so because so we lose trust in buckets, but we earn it in drops. And so if you do something that empties out the bucket of trust, let's say, you know, you have an affair. And you're, when you do that, you empty out the bucket of trust in your relationship. And your spouse may forgive you, but they're not going to trust you. And so, if, if you're not careful, you want to play, well, you said you forgave me. You like that voice? You know. I'm not sure if that was the man or the woman, but anyway. You said you forgave me, but you, you still want to, you keep asking me where I've been and what I did and why, why did I stay there so long. Why don't you trust me? You said you forgave me because they're not the same. And here's the thing. If you love someone... You should always be willing to be accountable for everything in your life. 
if you're hiding stuff, that's a, that's a problem. You should be willing to be accountable. You should, if someone says, where have you been? None of your business. Oh, I thought we were one flesh. I'm sorry. I didn't understand the vows we made. I thought we were supposed to be totally committed to one another. So, the forgiveness we've received empowers us to be an ambassador of God's forgiveness. So then this, this, this does something. It changes us. It changes the story. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Thought about that? The old things have passed away. New things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, ambassadors of Christ. Though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Man, there's a lot there. God was up to something when he saved you. <laughs> I went, as I was studying this, a song just came to my head, which is an old song. Most of you won't know because it, it was written in 1912, which is even before my time, believe it or not. Uh, but then it was kind of redone in, in the 70s, kind of became a little more popular. But uh, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, from the water lifted me, now safe am I, love lifted me. You remember that? I was sinking. And the Lord saved me. I was sinking deep in sin. Just, you think about that. You know, he says, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. That it, just in a moment, how the Lord can change the tra trajectory of your life. <laughs> I'm just so thankful that he, that he called me and he saved me. And, it, and he gave me the ministry of reconciliation. So I, I, don't know if, I don't know if you know this, but some things have happened. He's changed your address. <laughs> he moved you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. He made you new by the power of the gospel. He renewed you. By his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, so that you are a unique, called, set-apart creature for his glory and his pleasure. God's called you. Now, now you exist for his glory. I don't know who you, you were living for the devil. You thought you were living for yourself. But you were living selfishly in rebellion against God, and then call, God calls you to himself. And so now 
He's set you apart for His purpose and His glory. And then He gave you a message. And He made you an ambassador of the most important message of God. And what is that message? The message is God sent Jesus to save you. Paul said, so we're begging you. We're begging you. Be reconciled to God. We're begging you. Be recon-. He's saying, get this. He said, you've, you, you've got this powerful message. So are you doing that? Are you taking the power of forgiveness that changed you and the power of forgiveness that allows you to forgive others? Have you realized that God's given you a powerful message that God wants to forgive people? He wants to, he wants to forgive them their sins. He wants them to believe the gospel. He wants to change them. Are, are you a participant? Are you a minister? I don't know if you recognize this, but I'm not the only one in here that God called to be in the ministry. He called every one of us into his ministry, into his work, to do his job. So we should be telling people about what God wants to do for them. I mean, are you praying for somebody to get saved? You should have a list of people that you're praying for. There should be two or three people that right now you're praying, Lord, I I want you to open the door. I'm asking you to open the door for me to share the good news of Jesus with this person. There should be several people in your life that you're consistently praying for because here, this is how this works. God will open a door if you will pray. See, we are co-laborers with God. It's not dependent upon you, but God wants you involved in the process. God wants to use you. God's going to save who he's going to save, but God wants to use you to save people. He wants to use you. So you have to say, okay, Lord, I I want you to use me. So you pray, Lord, are there people that I should be praying for consistently? And then there needs to be, when you get an opportunity, you need to be able to share what Jesus has done for you. And so I want to tell you the, the best testimony you have is I've been forgiven. I mean, I, look what Jesus has done. Can I just tell you? Can I just tell you what Jesus did for me? I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. You see, you've got a, you've got a message you got a story. How long has it been since you told somebody about Jesus? How long has it been since you had the opportunity to say, hey, I've been praying for you, and I just want you to know that God loves you. Jesus died on the cross to save you. He really cares about what's going on in your life. Can I tell you about how Jesus changed my life? When's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? This is the job. (laughs) 
You've been given a job. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. This is what God's called us to. He's called us to his family, and he's given us a job. And part of that job is to, to tell other people about Jesus. And we need to let other people know this is great what God's done for us. He set us free. God's, has God been good to you at all? Yes, he has. Then tell somebody. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and pray. They're so surprised I got through early, they don't know what to do back there. Lord, we've been forgiven of so much. Great was the load that I carried, but I laid it at the foot of the cross, and every burden there was taken from me, every sin forgiven. Lord, you have empowered us to forgive others, and Lord, if there's anyone in here that's struggling with bitterness and hatred and unforgiveness people that have wronged them and hurt them I pray that right now in the name of Jesus according to the power that set them free the forgiveness that you have given us we we declare in the name of Jesus I forgive them not because they deserve it but I forgive them because Jesus set me free Lord Jesus help us to forgive those who have wounded us deeply because of what you have done for us. Lord, Lord, there's a lost world that needs Jesus. Somebody needs to pray for them. Somebody needs to tell them the good news. Somebody needs to tell them what you did. Let it be us. Use us, Lord. Use us to tell the good news of Jesus to the world around us, the places you have placed us, the jobs you have put us in, the families you have put us in. Lord, let us be the ambassadors you have called us to be. We ask you to do it in Jesus' name.